Today we talk to Chastity Brown about her new album, Sing to the Walls. We find Chastity on her front porch at home in Minneapolis, where she's seen some things go down in recent times. How's things in Minneapolis? Quiet, hot, feels like a, a nice summer, a nice summer day. Um, very different over what we've experienced here at the last couple years, and cer- certainly since the uprising. Right. Um, How is it different? Um, well, I just mean like, you know, a few summers ago, we were watering down our fences because the city was on fire. Right. And um, there were there was a national um, guard presence here. Like, there was a military Man. presence here. And right now, like I'm watching, so there's like five or six, seven year olds on my block. Yeah. And um, they just run the show essentially. So I'm just kind of watching their like it. it it's so cute to me, like watching them knock on each other's doors, wait for the other one to come out, and then they walk away talking, and I'm like, "What are they talking about?" Like, right? You know, um, so that's a cool vibe. Right. Yeah. Well, let's. I'm glad it's so. It, it, things are improving, or they just happen to be that way today, as opposed to how they were, you know, earlier. I mean. I I think oh, I mean this is still America. Yeah. You know? Um, and so what any of us decide on our own as improvement, um, you know, I think just with the pandemic and it being summer, like um things feel possible, feels possible to visit with the people you love yeah um in terms of america it's like i mean i don't know if you've been watching anything with oh yes president all of it Um, (laughs) of course it's like um i have a sense that like you know justice cannot be contained to be absolved in one moment yep you know, um, we learned that on a basic level of when si- siblings fight, even though you apologize, the harm. And so we're also talking about the construction of this yep. society here. And there's so many layers. And so any moment of justice is certainly celebrated, um, but it doesn't by any means like... Um, make me feel safer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. therein lies the power of my own joy and the power of my own, like luxuriating and solitude and, um, how I want to live my life. Um, right. And so, yeah. 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 As you can probably tell, I'm an American person with my accent. I moved mm-hmm. to New Zealand in 1994 from Rochester, New York. And as okay. you're talking, it reminded me, I was like nine years old in 1964 when they had big race riots in Rochester and, and mm. throughout the country. And the fact, you know, 
this is still happening. I mean, that was 50 plus years ago. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You know, and, and before I, I knew I was going to speak to you today, one of the things I did was check the newspapers, check CNN to see what's going on, you know, and, and of course sure. you always find out like there's somebody in North Carolina, the police department in some tiny town has quit in mass because the, the new uh, ma manager of the town is a black woman. So, you know, yeah. and I'm sure there are nuances to that story, but you know, let's face it, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I was listening. Um, so there is a, a Tonight Show with Trevor Noah. Yeah. Um, and two of the people, corresponders who work on that, one's name is Dulce Salone. And another guy, his name is Josh. Shoot, I can't think of it. They have a podcast in which they argue over things that are nonsense. And one of their recent little argument discussions was like um, conscious rap versus just booty shaking in the club rap. Right. And Josh was like conscious rap all the way. That's the most important rap. That's the only rap we should be listening to. Right. Dulce, Dulce said something that really resonated with me was just like for her she just said I already know it all I, I like in the sense of like I know what's happening in the world I know the harm that is being done I know what systematic racism is and so when I go to listen to music I don't want to deal with any of that I yeah, don't want yeah. I don't want to be there yeah and um and just realizing that like of course they're two good friends that are arguing over petty things and it's just a fun conversation, but there is truth to it as sure. far as being, a, being a black American and how you spend your time is also a political act. Yeah. Um, yep. And even if we're not even meaning for it to be. Yeah. 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 So I think and, that's interesting. And we all, you know, everybody listens to music at a different time for a different purpose. So, you know, mm -hmm. Need it for mm -hmm. all of those, which brings us to yeah. your album, Sing to the Walls. So you do have one one song, Golden, which is kind of what drew me to look at a CNN when I knew I was going to speak to you this morning. But the rest of the album isn't about all about that. But still, yeah. you felt the need to put that in there. Oh, excuse me, well, I tell my truth, and it riddles up in wings in you, but you don't know what to say. You know, I, the, the thing about Golden is it, is it feels authentic to me for true life. You know, when you're, when you're in love, you're, when you're like surrounded by your family, when you're growing your garden, when you have a smile on your face, the sun is shining, and then bam, there is a very drastic change um, to your perception of the world. Um, and certainly after someone has lost their life yeah. um, in any degree, in any situation. And so um, so that's why Golden, like, it was just a single and then it felt necessary um, to not break up the love story, but to acknowledge what has happened in midst of it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's um, I'm very clear on... Um, not centering oppression 
um, in my life and in my art. Because, um, like Dulce says, it's like, and, and even, even like you were saying, I, too, will make sure that I'm up on things. And then I get so overwhelmed. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there are times where I just am not going to read the news and things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's like Golden doesn't take away from the joy. It doesn't take away from anything. It acknowledges the it acknowledges the truth um, of experience, you know. Yep, yep, yep. So the album was released what June seventeenth. What kind yeah. of reactions and interactions have you had about it uh, that are meaningful to you, with fans, with press, with whoever? I think for me, for folks that are familiar with um, how I have performed over these number of years, or um, who have even reviewers that I've spoken to have reviewed a couple of my records and now the discussions feel different and right. I appreciate that reflection because I feel different and um, there's something that I have said a lot which is like my last record I was pretty clear on making room and space for sorrow that wasn't just like quote unquote breakup. So it was like I was give I was like, oh sorrow, sadness, would you like a glass of wine? Can I get you a cushion? It was like every aspect of my life I was just like sadness is prevailing. Um and it's really cool to hear in the in a multiple span of ways the sonic palette the drum beats, the melodies, the stories. It's so amazing to, to hear back that what I attempted, folks are receiving. Right, right. Um, and, um, you know, it's wild to interact again around music. Yeah. And, it, like, it's wild to... I'm I'm just coming off the road from like eight weeks of 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 my first real touring since the pandemic of my yeah. first real touring in two years, um and to see folks like I keep saying this is a dance record and clearly it's not but for <laughs> me, but for me like I love mid tempo all day every day and I can just you know and to see an audience doing that right their own their own style of moving to this soulful music um that's such an honor and such a privilege you know so um of course this i have listened to these songs hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times i there's not a second in any part of my album in which I didn't have creative authority with and was really intentional on what is happening at any given moment. Um, and then I just let it go. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm still experiencing that feeling of like just vulnerability, you know, and something that matters to me. Um, so that when I saw that, 
someone from New Zealand wanted to talk about the record, I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I know the record has quite a history. You started recording yeah. it in Stockholm and with Brady, mm -hmm. and then it moved over and it took a while and you, you, it kind of went through some some series of different processes. So briefly explain where, what you, where you were when you started and where, where you got to. At the moment of making it with um, Brady Blade in Stockholm, I really thought that was the record. We recorded uh -huh. 12, 12 songs there. Um, and by the time I got home, I was already recognizing that some of the songs... When I listen to that body of work as it was recorded, I can hear how I was changing. And some of the songs sound like how I used to play. Right. And like even instrumentation, you know, it was just like, ah, that's boring. But then when the pandemic um, popped off and everything was shut down, it was like, oh, literally this music, some of this music is not even applicable to this wild world that we find ourselves in. Right. Um, and so all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, I haven't been home at, at the point at the point I realized maybe I was home for four months, which had been the longest time in seven years for my touring schedule that I'd been home. And I was like, oh, my God, I can just write. Right. Um, and so I, like, started assembling little bits and pieces for a makeshift studio um, and then was like, oh, I would, I would like to record myself. I would like to have immediacy for my ideas um and so my drummer who's also an engineer who also helped me co-produce greg shooty would give me lessons along the way of how to send him the the best quality like high fidelity vocal take right um and then my composing just kind of took off because once again it was like what i only realized just in the last week is that in terms of what I think about composing, comp particularly in my music, is that before the pandemic, I had the opportunity to play with the Minnesota Orchestra. Oh. I had never heard an orchestra play my music. Right. And it cracked the, it cracked the cookie open for me. And I was like, I can do that. I can think about the timbre of a French horn and be like, I know at this point in the song I want something soft, but kind of horn-like. Like when you start to think about palette, timbre, entrances and exits of instruments, you are in fact composing. And so I just let myself go. And... Um, I feel addicted in a way to the songwriting process. For uh -huh. and, I, and I feel like all my mentors have always described their type of discipline in a form of clocking in the hours. And I now understand what that means for me. Uh -huh. I, and I now furthermore have an understanding that I have that ability 
you know, and I can, I think it also helps that I can play so many different instruments mm-hmm. because I can think, oh, if I only came up with a bass line today, well, it didn't exist this morning. There you go. I might be close to something. Yep. You know, and, and then I come back to work the next day and I'm like, I wonder if I could add a to that bass line. So now, so now I'm like, oh, I have more than a pen and paper, which is some of my mentors are just writers in that sense. And I'm like, holy crap, I can totally cheat. Like I have so many gadgets and gadgets of plenty before I've ever even uttered one part of the lyrical story. Right. Um, and so now I take great joy in that um, in a way that used to, as I would tour, I would pretty much only write and record when I wasn't on the road. But now I want to shape how I'm on the road with carved out time for writing. Um, And that feels really exciting to me. Um, So, yeah. Cool. Now, I'm wondering, is it a coincidence, do you think, or uh, that you work with two drummers making this record? Mm. Or is there something about working with a drummer that's that feeds into what you need to have as a collaborator. I think with Brady blade, it started as a coincidence because when I was chatting with Brady and I was like, would you recommend any producers? He was like, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Right. And I was just like done. I will look no further. Sure. Having had that experience, I then realized so often when I'm just writing by myself, even just with like my gadget, my little iPhone and the garage band, I will often at least give myself a kick drum Uh to continue a flow, even if it's a ballad or if it's like trying to get a dance going. So I just, I was like, holy crap. I always go second to drums and I didn't want a lot of input but I wanted some input and it seemed to be most effective to me and also wonderful because Greg has all the gear as a, as a producer himself. And so it it just became so productive and so imaginative that I, again, it just was like, where, where's the most steady flow of creativity it's between me first in my own world and then to a drummer. Right. Because I want to hear, like, what's the what's the groove of this? Like, yeah. what, what have I done here? And, and on this record, I did create some of the drum beats. Like, um, like on Golden, I created that drum beat. But on Sing to the Walls, the drum beat that I created, um, which was kind of like pseudo rap trap it was like a little bit more abrasive than actually the song should be and greg heard that and he deleted the drums entirely and he created the part that you now hear Uh which completely serves the song um and it was a total surprise i was like what have you done and then i listened and i was like what have you done oh my gosh um so I think this might be something I'm into for a while now. Cool. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I think I saw that you have a an album release show scheduled in August at, in Minneapolis. And of course, yeah. it's, it'll be a few months after the actual album release. So tell me about that show. Sounds like something special. Well, First Avenue is like one of Minneapolis's most famous venues. Thank you, Prince. Um, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the iconic images of Prince and Purple Rain. Um, it, it it has the best sound system. Oh, my God. Was, <laughs> um, oh, my God. Uh, it just, it feels so good playing on that stage. Like, what we're getting as the band is just as yummy as what the audience is getting. Like, it's real surround sound, and I'm just like, I want to have a total immersive experience in the hometown. Like, I really want to um, present um, this music in a way that I never really have here. Used to, I would just be like, let me just share some stuff, let me just share some stuff. But this is a soulful presentation, and in that way, it really marks how I've changed um, so I'll have the full band, I'll have a string section, I'll have a little bit of a gospel choir singing cool. the way that only gospel choirs can sing with those moving harmonies. Um, yeah, um, it's just, I've never played a record release show there, so for me, as, as someone who, I moved here as an outsider, Right. Because I grew up in Tennessee and now I've lived here for 15 years. And to say that that's the home, then, like to, I, this is home now. Yeah. And I, and I want to play it like it's the, it's one of the best clubs here, you know? So, yeah. Very cool. Now, we talked about one track on the album, Golden which is kind of the outlier. So maybe we'll just touch on, and you mentioned strings, so uh, Like the Sun has some beautiful production to it and very yeah. uplifting vibe about it. So you care to share yeah. anything about that song? Working on it, I said, please go back and listen to Jodeci and SWV, <laughs> and I want those kind of moments in the orchestra. I never hear an orchestra play those kind of like two thousands R and B like right. Just you know, uh, and so those are the most exciting moments. Um, so when I was making the track with Brady, I realized, oh, I retained the rights to the arrangement. We can just bring it in. Yeah. Um, and we just laid that right on top of what we had already recorded, and it just fit. We pulled out some of it, you know, because an 80-piece orchestra is a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it also, 
really connects me throughout the album. There's there's moments of string arrangement that's another way of me giving homage to the elders in soul music. And um, I just was listening over and over again towards the end of the album as I was creating some of the final vocal parts. And, and I just was like, yeah, like when you put on Otis, there's a string section, like the whole time. Yeah. I mean, not just a string section, but symphonic arrangements. Yeah. Or Aretha or Nina on her, like um, the, some of the New York shows that she did. It's like, and so I was like, oh yeah, I want to have not just like strings playing the chords. Like I really want to have them a part of the whole experience of the record. And in particular on Like the Sun, um, that's one of the most epic songs I've ever recorded. Uh-huh. Um, and it it is also me as a songwriter living here trying to tell Prince, like, I hope you'd be happy with this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm trying to literally impress Prince on Like the Sun. And it's also a song about falling in love in Minneapolis, you know, so there's a lot of different components that really tie myself and my heart to the city. Um, And, you know, um, yeah, it's just the other thing about it is like it's the most different chorus that I've The chorus was a mystery to me. The way I play the piano, that existed for a good three or four months before I ever sang, because I was just like, why am I so obsessed with this? The, like, I I literally had never written anything like that, and I had no idea how to sing, but I couldn't let it go on the piano. I was like, but there's something cool. Uh And then I, I was like, what if I approached it um, in that soulful way of like saying a few lines, having space, saying a few more li- like the, it was kind of like all these little building blocks to that song for how I wrote it. Um, and then the, the performance is just like Brady Blade assembled some of the most talented musicians in Stockholm. Right. You put a talented orchestra composition on, on that. And it's like, I don't, it couldn't be more epic. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just such a treat. treat. Cool. So my understanding is you wrote hundreds of songs leading. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with those? Are you thinking about delving back in and going to them or are you just moving on and writing more? Um, some of those songs that I wrote, I, I think of it as, like, there's there's a two-track method, I think, to how I write. Sometimes it's just, I think of the muse as a woman. When I started dating women, I was under the assumption that as a woman, I would know everything about dating women. Right. That's not true. That's oh, not God. true. That's not true. <laughs> Um, every individual is different, of course. Yeah. Um, 
And when I approach songwriting, I also I think of it in the sense of being like, there's no guarantee on any given day that I'm going to get the kind of love or kind of interaction that we had yesterday. And if you've ever dated a woman, Marty, or been with a woman, you know that to be true. Yes. Just because we were all snooky nooky yesterday, you got to earn it today, buddy. <laughs> um, and so, and so I think about songwriting in that way. So I think about it in terms of literally just hanging out and playing for the sake of being devoted to my craft, for having discipline. And yes, I may write something, but unless it has like, I don't know, sometimes songs will talk to me and be like, this can come out of the private space. Um, or sometimes a song will talk to me and I'll talk back and say, but this is personal to me. It's too personal. But the song will say, wouldn't it be to everybody? Who are you to think that you're the only one that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a whole point of storytelling. Um, the other track is when I know that I'm like writing for accomplishing a recorded composition I put the songs through fire, like mm. scrutiny, fire. Um, if it doesn't continue to be exciting, it's off the list. There are there are a number of songs that were really exciting to me that I even like we mastered and mixed and mastered. And I think I'll release some of those as singles. Um, they didn't seem to fit in the family of the record, but they're still like really cool, fun, or meaningful songs. Um, so we'll see. I certainly have plans on it. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, or we'll maybe see. even just like some acoustic. There's a lot of acoustic piano songs. Um, I do think it'd be quite ne like I re I listen to a lot of piano music and a lot of instrumental piano, like Keith Jarrett stuff. And right. It might be nice to just share that in some sure. way um, and not in completely involve capitalism. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Very nice. Excellent. Well, this has been fascinating, and thank you very much for sharing all that with me. Hopefully, you yeah. get down to this part of the world at some point in your career, and we'd love to see and hear you then. But in the meantime, Absolutely. good luck with the show in Minneapolis. It sounds like it's going to be awesome. Thank you, Marty. Yeah. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>